Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network, which you can find online at W2Mnet.com. I am your host, maybe with the most, it depends on who you ask and on what day you ask them. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the traditional cast of characters, starting with the executive producer and your anchorman, Eric Watkins. Like we always say, Harry, you are black where it counts. America. The unprofessional, for reasons not to be explored, Jason Teasley. Hey, I'm here. I'm drinking. I'm on vacation. It's nice. I mean, he is mid-animal cracker. And frankly, if you're mid-animal cracker, it's a good place to be. Randy, do you have any... The, the Riz, Randy Isbell, do you have any animal crackers? I don't. I'm actually really disappointed. I have a three-year-old and I don't have animal crackers. What the hell is wrong with me? You got to get on that, man. I do. Randy, think, think, of, it, kid. think of it this way, uh, Randy. Biscoff is much, much better. Besides, wouldn't you rather be in the middle of something else anyways? So, Eric has just started drinking. Jason is at the very least slightly inebriated. So me and Randy are going to have to do our damn best to try to carry this episode. Yeah, and if only we had something to talk about on this episode. <laughs> the next... Hey, I know a lot about episodes. <laughs> okay, you see that? Subtle, acceptable. <laughs> only, if we, only if we had somebody that had that was... Nope, 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 moving on, moving on. Nope, my, my subscription to that series has been canceled. Moving on. <laughs> well, I just got picked up by HBO Max. You're welcome. I mean, uh, granted, for previous customers, we are offering a free trial as a welcome back gift. <laughs> you yeah. do realize that we're playing right into Jason's hand with his, uh, with his TNT background right now. He's hey, about to use the fuck out of all of us. We, we don't mention where I work. Oh, is that too far? That's the line! <laughs> yeah, that's the line. You don't want to get corporate daddy mad. Look at what happens with John Oliver. Alright, so... I have to be professional. Um, we need some results from our polls this last weekend here, Jason. The, yes, result, is, the result is Eric tested positive for chlamydia, syphilis, Gonorrhea. But hey, he's covered through. Damn it. I knew I should have spent more than $20. Fuck me sideways. Um, <laughs> all right. Jason, hold on real quick. I believe it's pronounced gonorrhopacyphilates. All right. So. Teach my ass to go down Main Street. Uh, Atwater won the poll with a 62% on the. Uh, Denver Bronco defensive player. I'll accept defeat on that one just because I think Lynch is probably more known from his time with Tampa Bay anyway. 
And Charles Woodson ran away with a whopping 71% victory. Suck it! Yeah, I, I, I get it. Still want to ring with Green Bay, though. Yep, I agree. Well, my wife got a ring. Don't make her fucking special. The views and opinions of Jason Teasley in regards to his marriage are solely his own. <laughs> hey, she's special enough to get a $30,000 vehicle out of me, so. Yes, that takes us back to last week's episode, which you can listen to here in the archive from the W2M Network. We're going to get our stick in, trust me. See? Segway. Segway! Speaking of getting it in, Mr. Anchorman, it's a news and notes episode. Yeah, it's been a dry, dry, dry seven months. Anyways, so, uh, first off, a very uh, interesting little thing that we saw of what I dubbed the Hail Mary. We had spoken previously on the program about Randall Cunningham, right? The greatest of all teams for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Exactly. Well, I say Donovan McNabb, but whatever. What if I told you that he was back in the NFL? What? Well, see, in his post-playing days, he's gotten into the ministry, and he has his small little place of worship, his congregation in Nevada. Well, guess who happened to come to Nevada? I feel like we're about to offend somebody. It's all right. We're offensive. How is this going to offend anybody? All I was going to say is the now that the Raiders are in Vegas, calls were made, and Randall Cunningham is now the team chaplain. Jesus, Harry, what are you all about? That team needs Jesus, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, bringing Jesus to Sin City, is that kind of oxymoron? This feels like a terrible idea to have this to have this team in Las Vegas in the first place. Well, I, like, mean, I understand why Vegas wants a team. I just feel like it ends terribly. Well, I mean, hell, look at everything that went on in Oakland. You can't do worse than having people grill barbecue on the sidelines during the game. Better than catching your field on fire. Hey, Glenn Smith, what's going on, buddy? All right, so here's the thing with Randall Cunningham. I appreciate the fact that he has turned over a new not-so-Ryan Leaf in his post-playing career. But realistically speaking, putting an ex-player around current players, especially in the position that they have him in, is probably going to end poorly for somebody. Old Old habits die hard. Well, I mean, you see, with this, I actually think the opposite. Look at how long it's been since Randall's played. I mean, we're talking a good 20 years so, if anything, he can offer a little bit of that old head perspective. I'm actually pretty much on board with this. Randy, your thoughts on Randall Cunningham becoming the team chaplain for the Las Vegas Raiders? Uh, he's going to bring a championship to the Eagles, so he's not going to bring a championship to the Raiders. 
do feel like they're kind of getting an extra quarterbacks coach in the process, though, Eric. True. And I mean, you know, those little conversations, it's like, hey, wait a minute, what's he doing out there? Oh, wait, you know, he's got the collar and everything dressed in black. He's fine. You know, slip in a few extra instructions about which receivers are running the right routes and which safety is going to be cheating. Who would notice? An NFL team cheating and getting away with it. That would never happen. <laughs> Jason, you have anything to add to this part of the conversation? No. I just think that uh, Randall Cunningham is a, um <clears throat> outstanding fine individual. Too bad he played for the Eagles. Um, why the Raiders need I – guess, I guess they say a hope and a prayer goes a long way. Maybe that's why they need a chaplain. Is this going to be like an invocation kind of situation where they do like a team prayer before like NASCAR does before every race or whatever? Yeah, that's pretty much what a lot of the chaplains do. Post-game, pre-game, the basics. Confessions, midweek. Our fathers, Hail Marys, the yeah. usual. Yeah. Which, all right. That's a good segue. So if you want to talk me, hear me talk more about religion, tune in tomorrow night on Dame U Hollywood from the Radledge Broadcasting Network, where I'll be discussing Warrior Nun. I knew that you were going to have a follow-up after the Velocipastor. Velocipastor was a fine movie. All of y'all need Jesus. Sorry, let's move on, Eric. Well, he washes my car and cuts my grass. Well, um, nowadays in the land of extra microphones and everything where you can really get the sounds of the game, we are no short of sound bites from present players. Well, we're going to potentially have to add one more of those because, um, and it sucks on me that I didn't have the clip ready, but there's been another Antonio Brown thing. In just a time in between our last news and notes, Antonio Brown decided to retire. And unretire. Again. Claiming he wants clarity about his playing situation with the league. I said this before. I will say it again. We like to have fun on this show. We like to joke around. We like to make things haha in order to keep people entertained. There is nothing funny about Antonio Brown's situation. That dude needs professional help, and the sooner he gets it, the better off everyone else. That's all I have to say. Apparently, he's been doing everything that the league has asked of him, including seeing a therapist, so that's great. But you're right. I like to keep things ha-ha funny, ha-ha cheeky, ha-ha borderline, I could be in trouble in the Me Too era, not ha-ha sad. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. That was for you, Jason. You're welcome. To throw back to our favorite name in football conversation last week on the show. You're muted, Jason. That boy does not know how to work a computer keyboard sometimes. Well, he knows how to work a computer. He's just drunk. Yeah, the, the mute button's tough. But... I mean, you know, from a professional standpoint, the which that I can speak from, is um, 
you know, I've brought this up multiple times, that Antonio Brown has has some serious CTE uh, issues going on. Yeah, I'm not one to kick a man while he's down. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he needs some really, really professional help. And I'm pretty sure his therapist also needs a therapist after the sessions. But I, I really wish the best for Antonio Brown. And I think that if he could get his life together mentally and get the um, the proper medical and emotional help, that, you know, he could live a, a full life once again. But I think his life has went in so, so, so much disarray that it, he's fighting. He's in a very dark place, and he's fighting to find the light to get out of there. Let's be entirely honest here, Randy. Playing professional football is the last thing that should be on Antonio Brown's mind right now. Yeah, but unfortunately, I mean, you have to think for for him that the football field is his safe space. And that's where he became a god for a lot of Steelers fans and where he's gotten that big ego and all that money and stuff. So part of him realizes, I need to get back out there. I need to be myself. So, I mean, I'm exactly what you guys said. It's a really sad situation, and... I just hope he goes and finds help. He, he, seeing Antonio Brown these days is like watching Kanye West on Twitter. It, it's just gotten sad at this point, and you don't even really want to make fun of it because it's it's gotten way past that point. What I what I worry about is, I mean, to make the boxing uh, analogy, is the whole punch drunk, um, CTE. <clears throat> Thing. I think that because he hasn't been right since that hit, and uh, we've spoken uh, previously on this, if you want to go back and look in the archives, be more than happy to do so. We discussed this uh, a little bit more in depth about the struggles that we all felt uh, that he's seen, minus, you know, the expertise of Randy. Uh, but it's just one of those things that I think that my, my fear is that it's going to lead to something bigger, such such as uh, what we've seen with Muhammad Ali devel- developing uh, Parkinson's because of all the CTE that he incurred throughout his career. So I wish him the best. I hope everything works out for him. And, you know, we'll see what this plays out as. Not just Muhammad Ali, but others like Junior Seau and even Aaron Hernandez. CTE is no joke. None. So hopefully he continues with this help and that everything can get better for him. And if I'm an NFL team, I'm doing the right thing and even for now, continuing to stay away. With all due respect to Junior Seau, we kind of had that conversation with regards to his end last week when we did our greatest of all teams for the Los Angeles San Diego Chargers. And, yeah, you don't want to see Antonio Brown end up the same way Junior Seau did. Not at all. Not at all. Driving off a cliff to escape his demons because that's that's what he felt was his only way out and find comfort in the world. And that's really sad to say, but – and I'm not making any light of it or any joke, but – he, his CTE became so bad that he thought that um, that was his only way to find peace in the world. Um, we 
like I said, we play haha on this show. We like to bring the funny. We like to have entertaining conversations. But seriously, with all due respect to anybody out there, um, if you guys, CTE, whatever related or not, if you guys are having those kinds of thoughts, by all means, look up the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Let's move on. And if you hang in there, we'll be right back. We almost had it. We almost had it. I I knew it was going to happen. I walked right into it. I shouldn't have said what I said there, but I tried to take the professional route. We are on a panel with the unprofessional, so, you know. Well, that's why I say, hey, there's plenty of apps for that. Calm among others. Anyways, before my seltzer decides to go warm and get flat, uh, let's go in the trenches. So, there's good news. Although there won't be a preseason this year, which we all know, there were a lot of crucial salary talks, testing, protocols, and everything. Thankfully, the NFL and the NFLPA worked out a deal, and now you're starting to see many players take advantage of that deal. Led by one of my favorite guys, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. And beans and disease to you, too. You're more than a little drunk, Jason. Um, yeah, go ahead and explain the, uh, the whole opt-out thing there, because we're seeing more and more players doing it now. So, players have until, if I remember correctly, August the 3rd, to decide Monday. whether or not they would play in this season. If they are considered high risk and they decide not to play, they will be able to opt out, earn an accrued season towards free agency and such, and receive a $350,000 stipend from the league. If they are not considered high risk, but they decide to opt out, they will receive $150,000. And there's many, many different clauses along with daily testing for the first two weeks of camp, which has started, going on to testing every other day, and all sorts of contingencies for salary and accrued playing time if the season gets canceled. Well, I think one of the things that we kind of need to touch on in this regard is what's going on with my team right now. As the Buffalo Bills have sent home their rookie class from this year after having five different members of either the staff or the team test positive for COVID-19. Uh, we're dealing with something similar. We have a couple people on the designated COVID-19 injury list. Yes, Jason, sit down. Uh, I was I just doing a- it. <clears throat> I was just listening. I-, I was just following Randy's instructions. Go ahead, Eric. I'm looking at that and these instructions, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I have no idea what's going on, and I'm still mostly sober. But thankfully, with Duvernay Tardif, and not surprisingly, the Patriots... You just like saying that name. Look, I gotta give a shout-out to French Canadians. Arguably, Montreal has the second-hottest women in Canada. Granted, they're not Vancouver, but still, just saying, 
Not to mention, the man's a doctor who's been working at a long-term care facility. Mad respect on his name. Okay, that's... that's Salut le Québécois! And big the disease to you too, sir. I think he actually said salute the Quebecian. Look at you actually translating something I'm saying. Every now and then I understand certain words. Anyway, only, uh, only French I know is fries. Anyway, I take it. I take it back. I also know toast. I'm waiting for the kissing reference. Nothing. Nothing. Nah. I prefer. I prefer Australian kisses. It's French kisses down under. Fair enough. Those are the best kinds anyways. So, yeah. I haven't haven't got a family show yet. I'm kind of disappointed. We're trying. I think he's trying to set the under on purpose. If he put money on that, then, hey, we got to do some investigating here. But between that and naturally, you have the Patriots taking up headlines like this, taking advantage with six players already opting out, including Dante, or Dante Hightower, wondering if the Patriots are really going to do this to try to get Trevor Lawrence or whomever. Oh, God, Belichick gonna Belichick. Um... My question is this, and I mean, I like a research the news and notes like I typically wouldn't. So, does this? Yeah, so I actually have an excuse for not being prepared now. Uh, does this go toward a contract year on a player's contract, and does it take a hit to the salary cap? No. What happens if you opt out, especially now, your contract tolls, which basically means it does not count this year, but it does count next year. And I'm glad you brought that up because part of the agreements are there's various funds set up for any lost player benefits to be paid out between over this season and all the way going through 2023 guarantees, different bonuses, things like that, if the season is heavily affected by the pandemic. And any losses in the salary cap will be spread out starting next season, 2021, and going through 2024. The 2020 salary cap will remain flat at $198.3 million. So who who thinks that there's going to be a bigger-name player drop come Monday, before Monday. Well, I wouldn't be surprised because as is, you've got, you know, Hightower, Damian Williams in Kansas City, he's opted out, so I'm sure you're going to have bigger names think about it and talk with their families or whomever over the weekend. All right, let's try this a third time. Randy, your thoughts on the opt-outs thus far and the actual opt-out policy the NFL has engaged for this season? Yeah, none of that's really surprising as far as how many opt-outs we're seeing. And like you guys said, I'm sure we're going to see more. Uh, 
and I don't blame them, especially as you're seeing how it's going so smoothly for baseball right now, as <laughs> the entire Marlins team decided to party in Atlanta, apparently. Um, the more I look at it, obviously we have to kind of see how it exactly works out for the NBA and NHL in their kind of bubble situation, but I don't think the NFL season is going to run smoothly unless they adopt something like that. If they do what Major League Baseball is doing, it could get ugly quick. I mean, because you're already starting to see a couple of the Philly staff get tested positive, and, and we'll see if any more actual players happen. If one team in the NFL starts getting a rash positive test, of course whoever they play is going to get it because obviously you're making contact every play and stuff. So it's even more detrimental for the NFL to kind of bubble their players. And uh, I worry that if they don't do that, that that our season could be in trouble. The question is, is is there a place that has such a a proliferate of stadiums that they would be able to house an entire NFL season without putting the players in dangerous in danger of field conditions, Eric. The, the only places, and this is the exact problem, the two places that have the amount of necessary stadia that you would need that I could think of on a moment's notice would really be California and Texas. The problem, California and Texas are regarded as two current hotspots right now. So at a minimum... If you were looking for any sort of bubble situation, you would have to do similar to what the NHL is doing and have bubbles per division. That way you can at least have some sort of control over those areas. Would that lead to dramatic changes in the schedule? Yes. Would the owners want that? No. So that's going to be a major conversation as we get closer to September. I think that I think that the NFL is not going to be willing to risk the financial benefits that the season going forward would would give them, and that's the main reason that we're still going to see a season going forward there. However, as Randy said, baseball is proving that to be a hazardous preposition at best and a potentially life-threatening one at worst, depending on the severity of the conditions of the cases that these people have caught. And it's not just baseball that's keeper. It's not just the NFL that's keeping an eye on baseball and everything that's going on. College football is running into some problems. Segway! Well, and I'm putting these stories back to back here, shuffling around the news desk a bit, as I am wont to do. There's good news. As I titled this... Good news, everybody! Sorry, did you, the second time... The second time you've done that, and I've had the, the professor from Futurama in my head both times. <laughs> Good news, everyone! I heard my heart beat today! Anyways. Hey, did you know that the mouth of the South himself, Paul Feinbaum, has a Jimmy book? Hart? <laughs> That's where I went. That's exactly who I thought of. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Again, as the non-wrestling person on the show... Even though I have stunned people with my knowledge of different lingo. Paul Feinbaum, he has a book. A very good book from what I've heard. My Conference Can Beat Your Conference. Where he talks about the rise of what is the SEC. Well, now everything's going to be really proven. As the SEC 
has joined the Pac-12 and the ACC in releasing, and the Big Ten as well, presumably, in a 10-game schedule. Now the only hitch, like the Pac-12, they're adding flexibility as far as bye weeks. With ACC, they get the benefit of working out with Notre Dame, saying, you pretty much don't have a choice if you want a season, and saying, all right, fine. We're going to join temporarily for this year. The main hitch, however, the ACC is locking on to a plus-one schedule with one non-conference game along with their ten. The SEC has said, we're not doing that. So you have rivalry games dating back over a century where some very long streaks are going to be broken this year. And the Big 12, being 10 teams, left out in the cold as far as a 10-game season, thus needing a plan on their own. And the, power, and the group of five waiting for the Big 12 to see what they're going to do so they can look to follow suit. All right, let's start with the resident Big 12 member here. Let's talk to Jason about this. Jason, hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, do you think this is a year where the Big 12 looks to add a couple of teams either from the independents or from the group of five to fill out a full 11-12 Yes and no. I think that they may look to do it, but I don't think that they'll accomplish it. I think that uh, I think this this year – is setting up for what we have all discussed, um, and that is a realignment. Um, I think that the whole conference thing, especially with the SEC, and they actually have to play teams that you know that can actually beat them, and they're not, uh, you know, having to go up the road to the blind and deaf school on I ninety I sixty and find a state prison, uh, two high school teams, and a blind and deaf school to play Alabama, I think that this will um, definitely take a step forward to realignment of all conferences for geographic locations. As being a West Virginia fan, I think that us having a conference-only schedule creates a bigger headache because of the travel issues. So I think the Big 12 will go into the direction of trying to add someone, but I don't think that it'll be a big enough name to make a difference, nor that th would they want to add the school to the um, schedule or conference. We kind of talked about this in our group chat, Eric, where we mentioned that the potential choice for the Big 12 might be a Boise State from the Mountain West, a team with a national pedigree that could potentially help fill out a schedule here. Do you think that we'll see the Big 12 make a move? I personally do, and I was thinking about this, looking at the list of independents and looking at the different group of five conferences. I don't think it will be Boise State because the Mountain West will definitely want to arrange a conference-only schedule, especially with the travel hassle that is Hawaii. If I would lure anyone, if I'm the Big 12, it would be one of the independents, and I would look at the direction of BYU. Because as is, with the Power 5 teams going conference only, BYU has already lost half their schedule. 
if you if they can make some sort of temporary deal with BYU just for this season, that way they can get that tenth conference game and play everything else as it lies, that would be better. It's not optimal as far as with travel, but I think if anything, it's the biggest name, all things considered. Randy, do you think it's possible we'll see the Big 12 go to almost the home and away schedule for its teams inside of the conference this year to help determine them to get the full scheduling in? Yeah, I don't see them adding a team like the ACC added Notre Dame, and I still don't see realignment happening in college football. There's way too much money involved for teams to go, okay, we'll take Western Kentucky in in this just because it's close to them and, and all of this kind of stuff. So... But as far as the Big 12, I don't see them. I guess a BYU would would kind of make sense, or an Army, or one of the independents, because like Eric said, you know, the independents obviously are losing a lot of their schedule because they're not part of a conference. But I don't see them pulling a, a Boise State because that just causes more more of a headache. And usually, when you see a team switch conferences, it takes multiple years for that to even happen because schedules go years in advance. So. To take a team and go, okay, now you're part of the Big 12 is going to just mess everything else up. So I don't see that happening. So it's either going to be an independent or they're going to just have to play multiple teams in their conference twice. All right, let's switch over to the ACC side of things here, and let's specifically talk about those rivalry games that Eric mentioned. It's one of the points that I brought up in the group chat as well. I'm really disappointed that we're not going to get to see Florida-Florida State this year since the ACC left the plus one possibility on the table, but the SEC is not doing so. Do you think it's a case of the SEC trying to step away from out of conference here, or do you think it's a case of them trying to stay contained? Eric? Honestly, especially with the distance all the way up to Missouri, I think it would be a matter of containment because you've already had one major ACC player, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, also opt out of this season, which the conferences are allowing players would be able to keep their scholarships or be able to go into the draft. So with something like this, the SEC has said, we've got our teams, we've got 10 games, we're good. And I honestly think that the ACC should abandon that plus one format for this reason, because you have the Pac-12 say, we're going to have open dates, we've got three different weekends where we'll play our conference title game. The ACC is open two different weekends for their conference title game. The SEC wants that same flexibility. And yes, while we're not going to see a Florida-Florida State, we're not going to see a Georgia-Georgia Tech after 95 consecutive years of them playing. We're not going to see a Clemson-South Carolina after 111 consecutive years of them playing. This is going to be a completely different landscape. And with the college football playoff already coming out and saying... Head-to-head is going to matter. Common opponents, these things are going to be heavily skewed as far as who's going to be in the playoff. The SEC wants to protect their own. Other conferences want to protect their own. And if you've already landed, even temporarily, something for the Notre Dame, I think with the ACC, especially with their model, they need to protect their own. SEC sucks. Now, what I'm curious about is who is going to follow what model more? The ACC has said, we are scrapping divisions for this year. It's just going to be the top two teams based on winning percentage going to Charlotte. 
Whereas with the SEC, not only are they keeping their divisions alive, there's a lot of speculation in how they're going to fill their extra two games, be it two non-division opponents where they would normally face over the next two seasons. My guess is it's probably going to be the six-in division and then four from across. Well, and, and that's the idea, but I mean, which conferences are going to keep their divisions, which are going to lose them, and for the group of five, what is the Sun Belt going to do? Because they're in the same situation as the Big 12 is in the Power Five. Would they have to collaborate together with the two 10-team conferences and have that sort of that plus one model apply to both of them? I almost feel bad for saying this, but not really. Nobody cares what the Sun Belt's going to do. It's one of those necessary things if you're going to have uniformity. It'll get more exposure for the Sun Belt, yes, but it's going to water down the Big 12 regardless. I'm well aware of that. Eric, just just to let you know, we got rid of the person that cared about mid-majors. But he didn't care about the playoff in general. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Randy's not the biggest fan of it either. Yeah, but Randy contributes to the show. Fair point. Help, helps when you unmute your microphone there, Isabel. I hadn't said anything yet. I wasn't ready to talk. But but it this whole season, is, I mean, obviously we're having fun trying to speculate and stuff, but this whole season is, is still so far up in the air. I, I appreciate college's going out of their way, trying to come up with a way to still have the season. But as far as like college football goes, I honestly don't think we see any of it till spring anyways. And then do any of these guys, any of the conferences stick with the schedule they made up now? Do we go back to the way the schedule was? But as somebody that lives near Washington State, and Washington State has already gone no classes in person other than those classes that absolutely have to be. It, it just feels weird to go... You guys can't come here for classes, but you can come here and, and practice your football during that time. So I, I, I'm i in the component. I, I hate to say it because I want to be positive over all this. I, I don't think we should college football till the spring, and I'm more curious what they do then. Well, I'm actually glad you brought that up, Randy. If you're positive, you got to quarantine for 14 days. I've been quarantined for five months. It seems like anymore. I don't even know what day it is most of the time. All right, right, Eric, continue. Well, I was actually waiting before Jason said something because I set you up for a... Segway! There it is. And Randy brought up an important point because speaking of college football not happening and speaking of quarantine, you have now had three... Big Ten teams, Iowa, Michigan State, and Rutgers, not only pause workouts, but have their entire football teams go into either quarantine or self-isolation because of uh, outbreaks of positive tests. And Rutgers in particular is a bit worrisome because their outbreak was linked to a party. So this brings up what I had mentioned can these schools really keep things going 
And are you going to see a rash of opt-outs, knowing that possibility is on the table in college, like you're starting to see in the NFL? Okay, first of all, Rutgers clearly went to the Lou Williams School of Football Practices. Hey, hey, hey! Sometimes breasts, legs, and thighs are so delicious you can't resist. Come on now. Hey, I'm I'm just gonna say I'm more I'm more obsessed with breasts and thighs than Colonel Sanders. We'll talk more about the Lou Williams thing a little bit later on in the show. Our non-football story of the week, just because of how fucking ridiculous it is. Not really, if you think about it. That is a multi-million dollar athlete who chose to go to a strip club instead of getting paid. It's fucking ridiculous. But if you got multi-millions of dollars, you can make it rain easier. And them chicken wings, though. Moving on. Chicken wings are good. (laughs) I can't believe Eric just hit me with them chicken wings, though. (laughs) Anyway... In regards to the whole Big Ten thing there, um, you're going to have to do that with the uh, teams in general. With all of the teams in general before the season starts, you're going to have to keep them isolated away from everybody if you have any hope of having a season. Because if even one of them acts a fool, a la Lou Williams, a la a host of other athletes, the one who tried to get, um, the one who stepped off of the quarantine on NBA campus in order to get delivery? Yes, he stepped outside of the perimeter. Kids are going to act a fool if you leave them to their own devices. Rutgers proved that point. In order to have a college football season, these universities are going to have to keep the football teams separated together from everybody else. You're shaking your head. It's never going to happen. NBA players can't even get professionals to to stick together and stay in the bubble. You're going to get a college kid to to stay in a bubble? I don't disagree with you, Randy. I'm saying that the uh, the NCAA is going to have to mandate it if they want any hope of having a season, and anybody that that violates that risks their scholarship. Now, to be to be fair, the NBA isn't the only bubble in Orlando. Major League Soccer, they're operating in a bubble. They've been just fine, and they haven't had any incidents, so it really depends. Plus, yeah, but nobody cares about soccer. Hold hold on, uh, you got to give me a second. I got to look for a fuck to give about MLS. All right. You have to understand when an MLS player goes to a strip club, nobody recognizes them. So, okay, fair, fair point. Unless there's lots on Ibrahimovic, but then again, he left. So I see where you're coming from. But what I also want to ask is this: the University of Arizona, they had said, yes, we're going to try to have students back for fall classes. But what we're going to do, we have our own lab on campus. We're going to go ahead and run our own tests with everything up to, and in some cases, beyond standard guidelines, which I think would be fantastic. Why I think don't, it's a terrible okay, idea. Why don't other campuses try to implement the same thing? I mean, they're not being used on a national level when they could be, but it's something you, to think about. You want me to answer that honestly? You want me to answer the uh, and get my honest two cents about that hold on can i give my thoughts real quick here because the thought ran through my head right as you said it we might have the same thought here jason you want to know why i think it's a bad idea to leave it to on campus testing because those campuses have every reason not to tell the truth about any kind of uh, any kind of performance that happens in those testing results 
because if they have if they have an outbreak on campus that could cost them a game or multiple games of not being able to play because of how long it's going to take for those teams to be able to be cleared of the virus, what is to prevent them from not reporting that virus if you're doing the campus if you're doing on campus testing? My theory is this: is you've seen this happen in Virginia. Uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to get political, but I'm going to try to be the fringe. It's because you're going to see numbers skewed. You're going to see everything skewed, just like Harry was saying, in either the college's favor or the, you know, the national favor. You're not going to see accurate numbers in the least. Um, so I don't think that that's a good thing because we've seen that in Virginia, Liberty University. They had they have on on-site testing and everything, and their numbers uh, they was reported accurate numbers. But when the New York Times ran a story about it, their numbers was inflated almost three hundred percent. So it's kind of one of those double-edged swords, uh, and back. And this goes back to the whole thing that I always say, three sides to every story and we'll never see the truth. That's absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. I can't really add anything other than what you guys said. I agree with both Harry and Jason in this situation. What's going to end up having to happen is you're going to have to have these teams quarantined on campus in order to be able to play a season, and most of the kids are not going to be willing to do that, especially if they know that their scholarships are safe throughout this year as provided through the financial aid that's going to be given to the universities for the, for the test. Next story, please, Mr. Anchorman. Well, when kicking a ball goes wrong... We have had two different kickers that are now going to be looking for different places of employment this upcoming season. Graham Gano is out in Carolina, even though he has two years left on his four-year $17 million deal, but his is primarily due to injury. Meanwhile, up in New Jersey, the Giants decided, you know what? Our kicker was stupid, Aldrich Rosas. We're going to get Chandler Cantanzaro because he's going to be much safer and we're not going to have to deal with any sort of hit and runs or anything. I believe, as I told Eric, I was going to do this. And if you check the show description up at the top as you listen to this episode, one of the news and notes items that's going to be listed there will be the Giants, parentheses, hit and, and parentheses, run away from Rosas. I just, you talk about people who have nothing better to do, and I get it. I've had nothing better to do for the most part for the last six months. Somehow I've still survived. Somehow I haven't destroyed a car or caused any accidents. Why can't he? And there's only two ways a kicker can make the headlines. And he can't miss a kick right now. So he had to do it a different way. It's been an entire offseason of NFL stupidity. Why should the kickers be any different from contributing? Right, exactly. Fair. All right, let's move on. 
Well, we can call this one a comeback. For anybody who's seen the Project 11 documentary on ESPN, it is a very good watch, but I do not recommend it if you are squeamish. That gets yes. ugly, but it is very medically accurate, and it is incredibly amazing. I say that because the subject of that documentary, Alex Smith, has just been cleared by his medical team to resume all football activities. And he's undergoing the proper testing to come back and play for the Washington football team, which we will get to in our next story. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. Personally, right, oh, damn it! Personally, look, I got... Okay, for those of you who are listening, yes, I have bet on Bovada. I put my money where my mouth is when it comes to anybody that I sponsor. I'm currently watching the Lakers-Clippers game, and I really don't want it to be tied because I don't want overtime because I bet the under. Right now, that would hit, and I bet the Clippers plus 5.5, and, and they're only down 2. I am praying for this last 13 seconds. But as I said... Indeed. I don't Indeed, think that folks, this is... you get real-time updates here. <laughs> I don't think that this is necessarily the best of ideas because of what he went through, because of the infection, because of the 17 surgeries, and everything that he is trying to do, being a good family man and whatnot. Yes, the redacted offered him a front office job. Alex Smith, I really think you should take it. You dodged a major bullet. Don't try to go ahead and fire off one more shot. Alright, so I'm kind of torn on this regard here, and I'm going to give my thoughts on this, and then I'm going to go around the horn with this one. Although I don't know if I can say around the horn without getting a suit. Anyway. I respect the dedication of Alex Smith to his chosen profession. I can never, and I will never support Washington, but I will tell you right now that I am hoping for nothing but the best for Alex Smith as he attempts to return to the NFL. That being said, much like our resident anchorman, I think that this is an absolutely terrible idea for Alex Smith to attempt to come back and play again. Worse than Theismann's injury. Theismann never played another down in the NFL. Yeah, part of that was because he went to the wrong hospital. Personal story. No, it's because LT just said, fuck you, I'm on cocaine and I'm ending your career. Yeah, tell that to Mama Watkins. She was working that night in D.C. when it happened. Like I said, personal yep. story. Back on topic, please, gentlemen. I'm trying! With yes! regards... Lakers 103, Clippers 101, I had both my bets, thank fuck! <laughs> Eric, to buying dinner, good to know. I'll, I will take, um, I will take the penne and meatballs. Anyway. Good choice. Goddamn glasses, like shut the, the fuck up. I like the idea behind Alex Smith wanting to play again. I don't like the execution, and especially with everything going on right now that puts him in an ultra-vulnerable state given his recent recovery. It's extremely high risk given what he just went through with all the surgeries. His immune system is greatly weakened because of it. And 
let's be honest here. Even if he is able to come back, he's not going to be the Alex Smith that he was before. No. He can hope mm-hmm. to be a fraction of that Alex Smith. Hold, hold, hold the fucking phone. The Alex Smith before, only thing the motherfucker could do was manage a game. He wasn't an elite quarterback. He was a game manager quarterback. I don't know if I would agree with that. I would I would argue that Alex Smith is the kind of quarterback that you would want on your team. Because while he may not have been an elite quarterback, I wouldn't say that he was a game manager. Alex Smith was a proven winner. Given what he either did in with- Kansas City or given in Kansas City in San Francisco or what he did with Washington in the year that he was there. Thank you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Washington win the division with Alex Smith as their quarterback? No. No. Eric has to look. Mm-mm. Or was that? Or was that before Alex came? Or was that the? And who the hell was their quarterback when they won the division a couple of years ago? Cousins. Kirk oh, Cousins. that guy. That guy. That's why I forgot about him. My point being is. I respect the accomplishments of Alex Smith, but I think it's a terrible idea for him to go about this way that he's going about it. Give yourself another year to recover, at the very least, if you even tr- want to try to consider coming back to, to play in the NFL. Jason, you seem to disagree with me, and I want your thoughts on why. I mean, I don't think that... I think that he needs to retire. Um I said he would be better off retiring as well. But, but, and just so you know, the 2015 was the last time they won the division. Uh, I think that, I think it's smart that he does come back because even though it was a gruesome injury, medical science has uh, done leaps and bounds uh, since Theismann. Even though, I mean, look at Tua. Uh, Tua had the same injury as Bo Jackson, and he's coming back. So even though he's walking was, with the limp, I don't care what anybody says. It's it's a, it's it's a pimp walk. It ain't an actual limp. He's just trying to get his street cred down. I have pimp walked. You don't pimp walk like that, especially with the hand. You use that to cover up a limp. Hey, it's it's the millennials. We we don't we don't justify anything they do. Uh, yeah, but you're black, so you're cooler than that. Thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, I think he the needs to come back. opinions of Jason Teasley, you know the rest by now. I think he does need to come back. Not only, and this is going to be a really big thing that I want to be a proponent of, because the mental stasis that he has to endure I mean, an injury like that takes its effect mentally as well as physically. Uh, you have to get out of your own head. You have to have those hurdles to overcome. And, you know, that could put you in a, you know, being an advocate of, um, you know, mental well-being. You know, an injury like that could really mess not only physical attributes, but more mentally than physically because – in the back of your head, you're always thinking about it. You're always seeing yourself cut short and not achieving what you feel is the level of uh, competitiveness that you should achieve. So I think that it, uh, he needs to get back out there. 
more more of a mental uh, well-being than the physical. I want to real quick kind of piggyback off of that point. A great example yeah, is Car- a great example is Carson Palmer. After that injury in the playoff game when he was with Cincinnati, he said he literally took months and he just had visions of people falling at his feet and his knees whenever he dropped back in the pocket. It could easily be the same thing with Alex Smith. Randy, your thoughts on Alex Smith's attempted return to the NFL? Well, I want to take a look at it in a different way, and I actually think his return could actually be worse for Haskins. Because now, anytime that Haskins struggles out there, which he's going to, he's, he's he was pretty inconsistent in his rookie year, and I don't think he's going to make super leaps and bounds out there on that. Anytime he makes a mistake, right, you're going to have Alex Smith on the sideline, and everyone that roots for Washington is going, and everyone in the NFL is going to be rooting for Alex Smith to have that big comeback story. So that's going to be in the back of his mind the whole time. It's not like where it is with the Jets, where they got Flacco in there, who, who's, who has his own injury, obviously not as devastating. But Jets fans know he's just there as a as an insurance. Sam Darnold has to miss a couple. He has the first two. Games. So, but it's completely different for Haskins because now he's got this in the back of his mind every time he makes a mistake. Am I going to get Alex Smith right now? Or what? All I'm going to say to that is: the sooner Haskins gets pulled for Alex Smith, the better for Washington. The kid proved last year that he doesn't have what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's a, he was a rookie. I, I still don't understand how the NFL, in the NFL, it, all of a sudden we went, if you suck as a rookie, then you're not good. Peyton Manning was garbage. And no, first of all. And he still Dwayne, isn't the best Manning. First of all, first of all, Dwayne Haskins. Allow me here because there's something to that that I wanted to say real quick because it specifically goes to his point there. I apologize for cutting you off, but I am not at all referring to how he played on the field. I'm referring to how he mentally took care of himself last season. He does not have the mental capacity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Look at what happened on the very first game that Washington won with him as the starting quarterback. Do you remember? Wasn't he playing like he was taking a nap or something on the sideline or not paying attention. He was signing an autograph. He was signing an autograph and missed the victory formation. Oh, yeah. That's the one where he, uh, not just signing an autograph, took a selfie. He had exactly what it took to do that. That's why I say that Haskins doesn't have what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. He's too immature. Not yeah, to he is. That. He's immature, but you can mature, but it's not going to be able to be that easy if you have Alex Smith, everyone's savior, and, and this great comeback story in the back of your mind the entire season. That's what not, I'm saying. Not, but, he can but, improve. But also, maybe here's he, the thing. We passed the era to where even the best rookie quarterbacks struggled. You're talking about different game speed, different style of offense, everything. You really started seeing this trend with Ben Roethlisberger when he went on that huge win streak for Pittsburgh as a rookie. You do certain things, and now with offenses tailoring to the college style, having these certain methods in targeting specific types of players, it's made so much easier for rookie quarterbacks 
not to struggle, to have immediate success. And we've been seeing that for really the last five, ten years. So yes, you're not going to be the best of the best right away. You're still going to have that room for growth and improvement, but you're not going to be a flaming pile of dog shit either. That's out the window. That's being stepped on with the boot. That's done. <laughs> I don't have an issue with Dwayne Haskins as an NFL player. I think that there's an opportunity to grow there. I think that there is an opportunity to perform better there. I'm also saying that that opportunity for Dwayne Haskins would probably be a lot better if he spent a year or so underneath the Alex Smith learning tree. Yeah, when you put down the phone, stop taking selfies, stop staring off into space, and actually, like a lot of other rookie quarterbacks, learn how to be a professional. Then you can step right up and show your talents. You've seen that with many and many a quarterback to many a great success. Look at what happened with Mahomes. End of story. Go. Uh, who was his quarterback when he was in his rookie year? Alex I, I don't Smith. Know. Yeah. That's what I thought. Randy, counterpoint? I, I, again, I, I just, I'm not going to write a guy off on his rookie season, whether he makes mental mistakes. We see people make mental mistakes all the time at much at a much older age than Haskins, and I don't think he was a complete pile. Washington is a complete pile. When your best receiver is Terry McLaurin, who would be a slot receiver for almost any other NFL team, it's tough to say you have no talent. Put some talent around the kid, and maybe he will show you something a little bit different. But, again, I, for as young as he is and as immature as he is, I will agree that he's not the most mature quarterback out there. Having that story sitting on the sideline ready to come in at your first mistake, he's not going to handle it well. Let me ask you this. Do you actually think that he starts over Alex Smith? Is Alex Smith is completely clear? Because I don't. Only if you're ready to completely give up on him. I think, honestly, right, that's going to be a close battle. Let's see how that plays out. Let's see how that plays out through the team's training camp. If they come out of the training camp with Alex Smith as the starter, does that tell you that they've given up on Dwayne Haskins? I don't think it does. Not entirely. I think, I think it says that maybe they realize what a lot of the fans realize, that Haskins maybe needs another year or so of maturity under his belt before he's ready to be the full-time starting quarterback of an NFL franchise. All right, let's – speaking of Washington, segway. The reason why I called them the Washington football team is because that's what they're going to be known for in 2020. No name, no logo. You'll see the word Washington on their jerseys. You'll see the player's number on their helmets. While they will always be hashtag redacteds forever in our hearts here on the kickoff, thanks to Daniel Snyder being Daniel Snyder, they've got some time and some logistical issues to carry on. Even though Red Tails and now Red Wolves are the two front runners for the new names. I'm just saying, they kind of got it right this year because they really didn't have any other choice, so to be expected. But this is still Daniel Snyder. I'm not counting on him to really get it right come 2021. Randy, 
I I, I kind of want them to keep this team name, period. It's so ludicrous. I love it. Jason, your thoughts on Washington football team for the redacted? I think they need to be called the Sentinels and bring and bring um, bring the replacement players in. Um, Keanu Reeves ain't doing nothing now. I think he'd be a good starting quarterback for him, and Gene Hackman can run the sidelines. So. Actually, it works perfect. You change the team name to the Sentinels, and you have that injured quarterback come back with Alex Smith. I guess it works Exa- out perfect. Yeah, exactly. So uh, sometimes, sometimes these things write themselves. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, Washington's a dumpster fire, so it is what it is. I, I will miss the Redacteds. They will still be the redacted when we talk about them on the show. It doesn't matter what name they change. That is not going to. That being said, in the interest of the franchise for this year, at least, just solely going with Washington football team in order to make sure they attempt to get it right is a quality decision in my book. Agreed. Now, if only they could stop sexually harassing female employees. Again, if I can go with the far and say, hey, wait a minute. Having glass staircases to where my highly valued employees could wear skirts, if I think that's a bad idea, it's a bad fucking idea. <laughs> Just the throwing that out jump. there. <laughs> oh my god, I got the perfect team name for them. The Washington Titanics. Could they play, could they have their anthem as the Celine Dion song? I mean, they can pay her royalties. Near, far, no matter where the ball, their hearts will go on. Exactly. It writes itself. All right. Let's. Speaking of writing itself, let's move forward. Somebody's falling asleep. Well, this is his uh, kind of an extra nap time because this is going to involve a player he doesn't like and a player who used to be on one of our teams. Because you got uh, a couple old faces in new places. Jamal Adams, finally, after calling out everybody and their mother in the Jets, he's going to Seattle for a nice little haul. And it's going to be the Shady and Brady Bunch in Tampa Bay as LaShawn McCoy decided, you know what, uh, I like where this is going down here. I'm going to sign up. All right, A, it was always going to be shady with Brady down there. Let's get that straight first and foremost. B, I think we have to go to Randy first here with the Jamal Adams story just because it, it directly affects his team. And he messaged where he's experiencing some technical difficulties. Of course he is. All right, I think talk. it's. I think it needs to be the Shady Brady Bunch. That's what Eric said they are, the Shady Brady Bunch. What are your thoughts on LaShawn McCoy attempting to resurrect his career down in Tampa Bay, Jason? Uh, I mean, with uh, Vaughn op- uh, testing positive for COVID, I think it's a smart move on ten- Tampa Bay's uh, behalf, especially since, you know, uh, Florida is where old people go to retire anyway. So, I mean, it makes sense. Do you think we're looking at like a Frank Gore? Do you think we're looking at like a Frank Gore situation here, Eric, where McCoy is thinking that he still has a run left in him? I mean, it's entirely possible. 
he'll he's not going to ask or he's not going to be asked to be really the workhorse guy. They're going to lean more towards a pass happy offense given Tom Brady and given the caliber of receivers. So I think even if he comes up with say 750, 800 yards going into a deep playoff run, he knows that's about what's expected and he's game for it. Yeah, and honestly, I think he's expecting and I'm expecting that most of his yards are going to come through the passing game. Brady's always used his running backs in the passing game better than almost any quarterback in history. So, perfect for McCoy. Get him out into open space and let him do his thing. All right, let's talk to you about your team here, uh, Randy, on two different levels. Because I made the Frank Gore comparison, and now Gore's landed with the Jets as well. What are your expectations for Frank Gore as a Jet? Okay. I mean, a third down back probably just... I mean, give it. We'll see what Adam Gaze does with Le'Veon Bell because he he totally misused him last year. But but as far as Frank Gore goes, I, I think he'll be fine. And actually, I think honestly, Frank Gore will probably be the running back that Adam Gaze ends up liking more, just he's just because he's more of a between the the numbers kind of a back. Yeah, it was kind of a, it was kind of a similar situation for us up in Buffalo last year because Singletary's a guy that ran towards contact as well. Uh-huh. And Gore's always been a guy that I would rather run you over than run around you. Right. I mean, he to the tune of the fifth the fifth leading rush running back in NFL history. Obviously, he's doing something right. The question is, how much longer can he skirt Father Time? So let's move to the younger side of the situation for you in uh, in New York here, and let's talk about the Jamal Adams thing. Finally, have the notorious malcontent off of the team. Do you feel like you got enough back for him? based on what you got from Seattle in this trip. I think the Jets got more than enough for Jamal Adams. I really like Adams. I, I love his mouth. I love how much fun he has. Uh, the, the only thing I ever got out of the Pro Bowl the last two seasons was getting him mic'd up and just watching videos of practices and stuff and him just having fun. I like Jamal Adams, and I'm going to be sad that he's going to be gone, and I hate the fact that he went to Seattle of all teams. But to get two first-rounders, and a third rounder, and a starting safety out of the deal for Jamal Adams. When everyone knows that Adams wants out, and the owner and the coach can't stand him, I think the Jets did a fantastic. I give a standing ovation to Joe Douglas for what he did. All right, that officially does the Jamal. I don't have anything to add on the Adams story. I too think that the Jets got overcompensated with two first round picks. I think the first and the third, and then the starter would have been enough. So. I'm, like I've said before, if you're not working the system, the system's working you. So obviously the, the Jets did the right thing there in order to get as much out of Seattle as they did for Adams. That being said, Adams does have the potential to be a Pro Bowl player for at least another decade to come. Mm-hmm. Especially if Seattle is like, look, we're going to find a way. We could have the second Legion of Boom or something to that effect up in Seattle while we can. We're going to build around you. Let's go. Speaking of let's go, next story, Mr. Anchorman. Ah, there were a couple of different stories that either came across the news desk as I was getting everything together, and one that was a little bit of a funny moment before we get to our last story today. This one, though... Hmm? We did discuss the Lou Williams thing already, so we can pull that from the, uh, we can pull that from the list. Alright, so we still have the one that came across the news desk, which, uh, yeah, on your bike. Tom Coughlin, you have had a major effect 
mostly good, some bad, especially your second go-round, which we're not going to talk about, on a couple of teams here that are in our hearts and on the podcast, and we wish you the speediest of recoveries after your unfortunate bike accident. Four fractured ribs, stitches in his head, a partially punctured lung, he's down for the count, they said four to six weeks. I mean, realistically speaking, though, what does Coughlin do at this point for the franchise? He, nothing. He's gone. But still. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, this is probably going to hurt any potential that he may have had for finding a job in the NFL this season. But odds are teams aren't coming knocking at Tom Coughlin's door in 2020 anymore, especially after the dumpster fire that has been the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, the last hey, that wasn't entirely All, his fault. It, but it, it was partially at the very least. I concede that. That's why I don't talk about this second go-round. I go back to the glory days where we were great and we were getting to AFC Championship games and we were beating the Bills in the playoffs, although we still do. You know, when we were actually a legitimate franchise. Just loves, loves rubbing that in, does it? Hey, it's not my fault that we went up to Buffalo and beat Jim Kelly as an expansion team. That's just what we did. And again, I mean... Well, I'm not on your expansion year. And I mean, you know, years later, you come back down trying to get a measure of revenge, and what do you know? The Intercepticon comes up, 10-3, we go home happy again. That's just how it goes. I don't think Randy knows that story. That is officially um, that is officially our nickname for Nathan Peterman here on the kickoff. He has officially been dubbed the Intercepticon. There you go. Jason is like three three quarters of the way asleep up there. Jason, you have a Tom Coughlin experience yourself, so why don't you go ahead and chime in on your send out some well wishes at the very least to the guy since he was able to bring you good Super Bowls up in New York. Yeah, fucking, he left. He got Super Bowls, fucking. Didn't y'all pretty Super much kick him out too? Yeah, fuck him. We got he he helped us get rings, and then they, the the front office he won. Was he both of them? I I think he was only one of the two. I think. Nah, uh, he, he was both because he was going to get fired yeah. twice, and then he ended up winning Super Bowls, and they had to keep him around. Yeah. Uh, are you really doubting my expertise, Harry? Go I'm, watch some music city. Just go go watch a Music City Miracle and have a fucking cry, okay? Uh, uh, better, better, better yet, go better yet, go watch the Bills Giants Super Bowl and then come back and talk to me. I was about to say, cause you you really have to bring up the Music City Miracle. That hurt me. <laughs> Scott Nor Scott Norwood should be Quick. your your MVP. Real, real quick here, just a heads up, Randy, we're talking about the playoff. I know that's something the Jets don't know much about. Uh, yeah, it makes me miss great quarterbacks like Mark Sanchez. <laughs> See, two AFC championship appearances and one butt fumble. I'd say that's a good tenure. Uh, that's, that's a good deal, I think. It's a fair trade. That checks out. All right. Um, the thing with the thing with Tom Coughlin is, it's, yeah, it's... It, Obviously, we wish him the best in his recovery. 
That being said, isn't Tom Coughlin like in his mid seventies? Yeah, he's a hundred and four. I mean, he was okay. He was mid seventies back in the nineties. But seriously though, with all due respect to Coughlin, you got to know your limitations when you reach that age. A guy of his age should not be out on a bicycle at this point in his life. But here's the thing. It's Florida. We see old people driving SUVs all the time. I would rather him out be on a bicycle than in one of those. It's just unfortunate that some guy came and clipped him and then all of this happened. <laughs> well, then put that motherfucker on a stationary bike inside of a gym. I mean, if you guys could get your COVID taken out. Yeah, about that. Next story. Yeah, uh, and finally, since we did discuss uh, the Lou Williams incident, and again, if anybody's listening to this from Atlanta, I will gladly go to Magic City and try the wings for myself, because, I mean, if they're good enough to cost a guy like Lou Williams 150 grand, I'm sure they're going to be delicious enough for me. I just may need to be fun a little bit so I can make it rain. I don't uh. need one of those guns that shoot the dollar bills. I will do it manually. Save yourself some cash. Obvious, <laughs> obvious joke here. I'm a breast guy. Moving on. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I can't make it rain at a strip club. I'll make it hell with quarters, though. Yeah, and then it'll be like the one time at the strip club up in Ontario in Canada where they throw the coins back at you. People have tried, and it never ends well. Seriously, you you try to throw it. You try to throw a quarter at a stripper. I hope to God she beans your ass in the fucking forehead. No, I put it. I I actually roll them up and say, "Now impress me." Yeah, you'll get an impression of a five-inch stiletto right between the eyes. I've never had a stripper turn down a roll of coins. They've done some. They've done some very unusual I'm, things with them, but hey. Money's money's money. Wouldn't that lead to, like, metal poisoning, especially in those sorts of orifices? Family show! (laughs) There we go! (laughs) To be fair, a roll of quarters is, like, ten bucks, so, yeah, I can see why the stripper would approve. Anyway, let's move on. So, for our last story, it's something that happens all the time. Now... This is... Just real quick to Randy, this is what happens when the panelists are are drunk. And junk, apparently. <laughs> no, this show's went so on so goddamn long. Long got fucking sobered up. What are you talking yeah, about? We we're tell. actually pretty fast for one of our episodes. Yeah, we're not even at an hour and twenty yet, buddy. No. Anyways, now we here are pretty knowledgeable when it comes to football, for the most part, right? Good night, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Jason with the walk-off. All right, go ahead, Eric. I- I'd like to think so, yes. So we know the difference between head coaches Nick Saban and Lou Saban? Um, I'll be entirely honest with you. I could not pick Lou Saban out of the lineup, but I do know Nick. Yeah, Lou, he was the coach at college and NFL, especially Patriots teams, back in the early and mid-70s. Oh, so he's the older of the two. Gotcha. Yes. So when you were at an event that happened to be a political event, where a victory for former Auburn coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're in the state of Alabama, you know which Saban to talk about if you're busting balls a little bit. 
Would you not? Hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, I'd like to think I would. Okay. We're in a better position than a certain someone who happens to be running things right now. Because in that whole spiel that he did hyping up Tuberville, he confused Nick Saban for Lou Saban twice in a span of about a minute. Hold on. I have the obvious answer to that. As evidenced by Jason's performance on tonight's episode, moderate your drinking, people. He wasn't drunk. I was moderated. I moderately drink a lot. (laughs) Jason does not have an alcohol problem. He gets drunk, he falls down, no problem. Hey, everybody's got to go to bed sometime. I just I just happened to find a sleeping spot randomly. In regards to the whole regards to the whole thing with the the Nick Saban Lou Saban thing, I mean, is it possible it was a non football fan? At least that's how that's how I would have to look at it. Somebody that wasn't familiar with the sport was because a lot of these like fundraising dinners and stuff no, they bring in out. He claims to be very familiar with the sport. He also claims that if certain things happened, that he would not watch the sport, and he has attended national championship games and other events. Oh, so he's a borderline racist, is what you're telling me? Exactly. And oh, well, other either. and other people in other spheres, especially on Twitter and other places who I would happen to agree with, would also say borderline fascist. That is out well, there. Well, fuck him anyway. I don't even yeah. care if he doesn't know who Nick Saban is. Fuck him anyway. Exactly. And unfortunately, again, the number 45 would have to come to mind, sadly. <laughs> um, let's be careful going too political here, just because we, we had that issue with the previous co-host. This is why I am being very, very careful, and if anything happens, I am two Bud Light seltzers deep. If they're good enough for Post Malone and will make him smile, damn it, they're good enough for me. I vouch for the Black Cherry, but that is not important, kind of. I think Jason's going to bed. (laughs) He's had enough of this. I'm still here. He's had enough of your disrespect. Well, I was going to throw on more disrespect with another story that I had, but uh, somebody made an executive decision about that one. Eric, don't make me take your job in South Alabama. Randy, you got anything to add before we wrap this shit show up? I guess in all honesty, I'm more surprised that he knew who Lou Saban was. Is that is that related to Lou Holtz? No, they're both named Lou. They're cousins. The, the the name Lou is just so American. <laughs> Lou. <laughs> this episode is not going to stay up at the archives for long. <laughs> According to who? <laughs> I. I, I have nothing to add at this point. I'm just ready to wrap this up. I want a dog, and I want to name him Lou. You're my boy, Lou. <laughs> Randy, where can people find you online? 
Uh, you can find me at Randy Isbell on Twitter and also check out my podcast also on the W2M Network, Chapter Select, if you're a video game fan. Episode 2, Chapter 2, just came out today. I'm almost afraid to ask this, but I will anyway. Where can people find you online, Jason? Uh, at W2M Chairman. Um, yeah. Uh, next up is the NFC South. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have some polls going up in regards to uh, our in in depth debate about some of the teams that will be discussed. So be sure to look out for that on the W2M network and on W2M on Twitter as well as at W2M Chairman. He's also at Turkaglue822, but odds are with as drunk as he is, he probably tell you to go fuck yourself. That's typically what I say anyway. Anybody, anytime somebody asks and messages me on my personal Twitter, my professional one is I'm actually professional. So the Twitter more so than the podcast. Good to know. Eric, where can people find you online? Uh, at Squids 4 Ted on Twitter, uh, there is, again, there's been plans but there is also craziness for a return of soccer to the max here on W2M Network. We're trying to wrap things up. Again, uh, since Jason is good and drunk, we're going to use this level of inebriation to hopefully fire off the premiere of the Black Irish podcast, especially since I still have some booze left of my own, so we'll see about that. But if you wanted to talk something other than different sports or wondering when the hell I'm going to live tweet or give my analysis on the current state of the National Rugby League and Australian Football League, then you can go ahead and find me on Facebook where I can talk tutoring and a whole bunch of other different things. Remember, Eric Watkins, guy in the recliner, holding the glass of wine because it's the best they had. Now, if you happen to find yourself on Twitter and you're wondering what else I'm about... Eric, you might as well. Go ahead and give it to him today. No, I'm not going to give it to them. I'm not drunk enough to do that then. If they want to go back in the archives and listen to episode hey, 69, hey, naturally. Guess what? Guess what? X is going to give it to you. Go Slide in my DMs. Go through the vetting process. Start Twitter, Snapchat, Telegram. Which, boy, there's been a lot of craziness on that a couple days. Yeah. That point of viewer. <laughs> and see, if we ever Damn actually it. did an episode of Black Irish, I could meld the two together, and there would be some very interesting discussions about pet play. Well, hey, look, I'm not Bisco. I'll actually do a show eventually. Can we add a bleep over that in post-production? Um, no, I don't have the bleep thing yet. And unfortunately, my soundboard is coming by coming to me a little bit later than I expected, so I won't be getting that until next month. COVID, what can you do? At HEBD Eagle on Twitter, Facebook, Yahoo, pretty much anywhere you want to look for me. Uh, Harry Broadhurst on Facebook as well if you want to talk wrestling sports. I mean, some video games I play a little bit, but not a lot. I do have an Xbox One. I'm kind of working on getting it all situated, sort of. 
I will be playing the Crash Team Racing game just because I like Crash Bandicoot. Don't look at me like that, Jason. Go back to bed. <laughs> Gone off the fucking rails tonight. We never had you know rails we to are. begin with. You know what with. we're about. You know where to find us. For, for the Riz Rain. In my con. <laughs> As you You're a boy, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Did we lose you? Yeah, I think Harry froze. All right, for the Riz, Randy Isabel, the unprofessional Jason Teasley, the news anchor Eric Watkins, and Eric Broadhurst, this has been the kickoff on the W2M network. Why not? Of course it would go right there. Of course, it would go. Writers were finishing, right? <laughs> you finished a little bit too premature there, Harry. Yeah, I'm aware. It's usually a drunk person problem. And we're still anyway. recording, so you can finish the bit if you feel like it. I just done it. Not for, to the fullest. For the Riz, Randy Isbell, the unprofessional. <laughs> Jason Teasley, the anchor man Eric Watkins. I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, Castbox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Spotify is here. Sober up, Jason! And the and Jazz and Pelicans are dicks. Mainly because I bet the over. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next time with the greatest of all teams, NFC South, here on the kickoff. A presentation of the W2M Network. Jesus fucking Christ.